0: Hey, we're live. It, it, it's telling me we're live. Uh, I'm still unsure how this thing works. Uh, well, actually, I'm very sure how it works. I, I'm unsure how it's working. Uh, I mean, all of you.
1: If, if me and Chris could figure it out for for EOF, dude, I'm I'm pretty sure we're safe. Yes, yeah, so,
0: Um, you know, w- welcome back. This, I guess, you know, Corey's just calling them seasons because I just wanted to go like just straight numbers and not really worry about like seasons. But so season three. For earful of dirt, um, as a we need to issue like a press release or something. But uh, Craig uh, Gridelli from American RFC will join us, uh, for for the rest, uh, maybe in perpetuity. And hopefully ESPN buys us, and you know we're we have an earful earful of dirt is on ESPN. And then when, yeah, because that worked out for Barstool, right? Yeah, it's I mean, <laughs> it's worked out great for Barstool. They have a they have a satellite channel. Uh, on uh,
1: XM, so I mean, I, and- I, w- I was more so talking about their deal with ESPN and that show that never happened. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> For I, sure. Well, I mean, yeah. as long as money gets exchanged, and we yeah. get if we get money, if they just buy it, if we get thousands of dollars,
2: then all the skeletons in Aaron's closet get unserved by ESPN.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's somewhere- gonna. I'm gonna go delete my Twitter now. <laughs> but um, delete everything from high school. Uh so uh, you know the 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 Texas LSU game was pretty awesome last night. If you uh happen to get catch that, if you're in college football, um
2: Texas LSU, what about Army Michigan?
0: Uh well neither of us attended West Point, so hopefully you're rooting <laughs> against West Point every time. Um, I can Take
2: it or leave it, but I was definitely rooting them to beat Michigan. I mean, that's oh, I, I
0: am I'm upset. I, I mean, uh, the 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 lady of the house went to Michigan State, so West Point beating Michigan would have been would have been great. Uh, in this house, you know, it's uh, I you know, I gave, I gave props to, uh, two friends of mine. Um, Nick Paul Mashana, who runs Ranger Up. I, I mean, I, I met him a bunch of years ago. Uh, and, uh, of course, friend of the show, Tony Ridnell, um, who are both graduates of, uh, that wonderful school on the Hudson. And, uh, you know, I was like, you know, props to the men of West Point for, uh, for for you know standing in the arena through two overtimes. That I mean really that's like an app state offense right there, right? Uh but <laughs> if, if you're if you're Harbaugh, if if you lose, you're basically fired. I uh, think Army
2: attempted four passes the whole game. Was... <laughs> Not even kidding. Four. Four passes.
0: But uh yeah, so Uh, Two things we're going to talk about today is, I think, really, I mean, there were some signings uh, by New Orleans and uh, San Diego since we've been gone. uh, I don't think we touched on it. Keys Lensing was hired by uh, the Seattle Seawolves. Uh, as their next head coach. And uh, at some point there will be, I think there will be a retirement announcement, but right now there has just been an announcement that Phil Mack is going to be serving as a full-time assistant uh, to uh, Keys Lansing. Um There was a uh, New York hired an assistant coach and manager uh, and team manager. I'm guessing team manager is actually the majority of his uh, duties than the assistant coach part because managing – you know, 40 athletes is, is actually very difficult and team managers in rugby do not do the laundry. (laughs) Let everyone know that is not, they may have to, but I'm pretty sure I had, when I go, when I worked for team Canada as a liaison, I had to take their laundry to a place. Like the team manager never did the laundry. So
1: just. The debate about who does the laundry has long been fought in rugby programs across the world, and countless cases of ringworm have been the result.
2: <laughs> I'm <laughs> surprised you guys washed your rugby kid. I just thought you were wearing dirty the whole season. Isn't that the way it works? Uh, well,
1: You open that thing up, and the flies die, but like above it, it's. We definitely.
2: thought <laughs> uh, you so win scrubs.
1: I, I don't yeah, know. Uh, right.
0: I don't know about the scorpions, but we had like a a Jersey committee at, at Fort bliss of like seven guys where depending on when the fixture was or what the fixture was, it was their turn. And like being on that committee was actually very important more so than the social one, because we sort of had a bar outside the gate that just took our money. Um, and their wings were okay. The beer specials were kind of trash, but you know, whatever it was Fort bliss. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we'll talk about the, and then, um, supposedly tomorrow it got postponed from Wednesday. Uh, New York will announce, I think the rest of their staff, uh, I know they've, they've talked about the head coach, uh, specifically, but I think the rest of their staff is being announced. Also, I'm not sure. Uh, don't quote me on that or it'll just get postponed again. I, I, I guess that's sort of how this thing has gone. And, uh, Other than that, um, I think we're here to talk about the Eagles,
1: right? Let's do it. (laughs) All right. Definitely not Philadelphia. uh, Yeah. (laughs) No. No.
0: Uh, So last night, uh, the USA Eagles defeated uh, Canada Le Rouge uh, 20-15 in Vancouver at BC Place. Although it looked like this thing needed to be hosted at a – at something the size of Starfire, which Langford no longer is the size of Starfire, it is now an 11,000 seat stadium. So, um, yeah, <laughs> oh, this is great. I love how we get uh, we get comments from Facebook Live uh, directly into this. Uh, from Gordon Hamlin, should the Cowboys be given the Lombardi trophy this week or
1: next week? <laughs> uh- I'm not sure if you heard about a certain guy named Antonio Brown signing with a certain goat, but no, no, I I think y'all can hold off on that for now. (laughs) But,
0: uh, so I guess the first thing we got to address, anyone want to want to touch on that one about that game last night
2: Uh, on the Canada game? Yeah. Uh, look, (laughs) I I think, I have a few thoughts about this. One, a win is a win, and so you know I don't want to look. Uh, oh man, look
0: Craig just like doesn't even go after the low hanging fruit of bashing a broadcaster. <laughs>
2: oh man, yeah, no. I, I don't
1: the homers are, are That's just a cheap shot, man. Come on, now.
0: Uh, let's just say yeah, if you tried it was to wa- cut out,
2: it was, it was if you problem. tried to watch
0: this game legally, it was it was pretty rough. I guess if it be the say replay the whole- file. <laughs> Apparently, the replay file is missing. Um, is missing whole like chunks in the first half.
2: <laughs> yeah, the first half. I mean, when Canada scored that first try, uh, it took me twenty minutes to figure out what happened because my screen had frozen or whatever was going on. And when I turned it back on, the USA was kicking off again. Um, I think it wasn't until halftime until I actually saw how Canada scored the first try. So yeah, it was. It was a struggle of broadcasting for a while there. Though I, I will say the second half, I didn't, I didn't have any issues. Yeah,
0: I had one dropout in the second half. Although I was expecting one to happen, like, like that, like that, and it it didn't happen. Uh, but two big dropouts, like big time. The first Canada try and Cam Dolan's try, because uh, all of a sudden screen goes like the audio is there. Screen goes black.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: you, it was black and I'm trying to figure this out and yeah. i like reloading.
2: And the audio was something weird. It was like, and a shoe's loose. <laughs> and that's all you couldn't see what was happening. We are <laughs> talking about a shoe, and then next thing you knew, USA was dead.
1: And you know, my my big question is is you see companies like you know, like like next level rugby and like you know and gift time rugby and stuff like that, who don't have these problems when they whenever they broadcast or oh, I mean like they do have these problems from time to time but just not on the infuriating level that Flow does at, at the, you know for for games like this. So what is the disconnect is what I want to know.
2: Well,
0: the, the, here's a good one. I need to ask somebody so that so Flow hosted in Austin at their headquarters a uh, a watch party uh, we're pretty in tune with like the Austin scene sort of. I mean, they must've had a lot of liquor flowing at that at party, the, man, to well, keep people. I, there was like not like I would say in the, in the major like Facebook groups of Austin rugby, this was not like advertised at all. And I'm like, if you're, if, if you're saying, Hey, flow rugby, you know, we're going to do a solid to the people. We're just going to have watch parties at the HQ in Austin all the time. Whenever the Eagles play, there's a watch party at HQ. S- just do it, and you can have and and you know what, uh, you just cater it. You know, just it, it looked like a big room if you if you see the picture from Alex Goff, like it's huge. So cater it, like blow it out, have a good time. At least that would give us something. But no one knew about it, as far as I knew.
2: Like this- I didn't know that, but they got Todd Clever there, so <laughs> that's something, right?
0: Director of Austin Elite Rugby. Uh, So, yeah, uh, I guess uh, to sort of touch on that, I guess more players have, um, uh, you know, from last year are not going to be rejoining Austin. But back to this
1: game. um, From what I've heard, there's going to be a large local contingent uh, for Austin next year. Yeah, so that will be.
2: That's what they always wanted out there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. That was, I think, the original vision was that the existing Austin community would become a professional club, and when it was more, you know, ended up being more imported players, and I think that was a lot of the original conflict between the two. Yeah, players.
0: I guess that's uh, so. If we're gonna call it that, um, I would say the chance of them being having the second highest turnover and also being a last place team could be very high. True. If you're just going on local players, we we know that, uh, you know based on this Houston season one, Austin season one, they had a lot of local players, both, both of them. And they were both, you know, bottom end of the league. So I think it really just depends on like building these rosters, get younger, bring a lot of college guys in, you know, something we're going to see all across the the league continuously, I think. But back to the Eagles. So first half, uh, I mean, Liam, I, I think you said that this was the one half you got to watch. So
1: yeah, uh, this was the one half that I got to watch, and unfortunately, uh, my stream was less than legal, I guess you could say. So, therefore, my streaming issues were probably tenfold compared to a lot of you people. Uh, but anyway, I was kind of, I, I was kind of thrown off by the by the lack of consistency in terms of ball movement uh, by both sides. Uh, however, I, you know, like the, the USA was able to keep it. Uh, I guess keep keep it in their favor by every now and again finding the gaps. They definitely j- were able to draw Canada into the, into the middle of the field while they stayed a tad bit more disciplined on defense. Uh, and unfortunately that's all the commentary that I can really have uh, uh, on terms of, a, on, on terms of an educated level. So back to you guys.
2: Huh. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think, you know, for me that has played out pretty differently, Even know, neither was that high scoring. So it, it could potentially be a little overlooked, but I thought in the first half, the USA played pretty well defensively. Uh, but like when they were trying to play, both I, from the replay I saw of Canada's first try, because the original feed was cutting out, and the second try they scored in the first half were both kind of mental hiccups where the defense just didn't get set, and Canada you know made a cheeky attack towards a, a weak end of the, the pitch um and those are the two times they really um you know made good uh, attacking ball when the u.s was set and trying they were doing a pretty good job of containing canada as we have for a few years now so uh i thought all in all it was good defense the first half absent those couple of uh mental errors but i thought the attack in the first half just had no direction to it um I mean, they didn't seem to have any idea. Like, when an attack is going well, for me, it's slowly building something, right? There's phases that are setting up a larger picture, and you do fi- 14, 15 phases, and each one builds in the last, and that creates your opportunity. It looked like they weren't building anything. They were just randomly, here's a you know, forward crash ball. Here's a forward crash ball this way. Here's a kick with no kick chase. Um so it just looked like they weren't. They didn't have any overall guidance of what they were doing. Um, it was just like Joe Tefete, try to make something happen. Maybe he'd try and offload. That was about as best as you got in terms of uh, attack and creativity in the first half.
0: I think that when I look at the first half, I, I am oh, – when I look at this game, it, it's, it's really hard. As a fan, as sort of an analyst, as, as a fan first, I want to win everything. All the time, just a little way. Um, as an analyst, it it was a struggle. Like they had, if you look at the first 20 minutes, they had all the ball. I think we possessed the ball for under under a minute and usually about f- maybe 20 to 30 seconds at a time. They weren't really efficient with their ball. And I guess that says, you know, our defense was pretty good overall. They did score. Uh, they when they when they could get uh, to the corner. They were relatively efficient with their set piece uh, in in the first half. In the second half, uh, our set piece defense was really good. But in the first half, well, I didn't see one of the tries, so I, I couldn't really tell you what happened there. But I think it was looking at World Rugby's uh, flow it was, um, Gordon McRory. Oh yeah. I saw the replay of that. Basically Gordon McRory gets this loose ball and just slices through our transition defense and scores something that he should never, ever be able to score against us. Uh, you know, he just caught us on both back feet and, you know, if, if any of our defenders had just fallen over, it wouldn't, that would have been the only thing to make it like more seemingly possible because yeah. we were completely out of position and it was kind of one of those Phil Mack, uh, uh, Phil Mac or Nate Augsburger type quick runs in, in loose play. And it, it, you know, normally those, those things shouldn't happen, especially the way no. we've been playing defense and the way we've been able to, to pick up. Uh, and then, you know, we just played like complete ass uh, another one was you know peter nelson i guess you're you're definitely seeing why they brought him in and having him play fullback has been uh you know really good and i, I think he's going to sit there at fullback instead of 10 for him like he did in this You know, in this one, because it does take away um, some of their attacking prowess, but then you you need to find a way to put Parfrey on the field because he's also a very dynamic player. Uh, But, you know, we were sluggish, and you knew we were going to be sluggish. Uh, What are the positives to take away from the first half and even going deep into the second half is uh, could our first was our front row, our first choice front row healthy. Uh, Were they able to play a good amount of quality minutes? And we saw that they played uh, 50 minutes together. Uh, And then uh, I think Fry ended up playing around 80 minutes when Ali Khalifi had to come off the pitch uh, for an HIA and Fry finished the game uh, there. So it was very good to see. I mean, personally, in the last couple of starts for the Eagles, I really haven't been a fan. His form has been off and he's drawn a lot of penalties or should have drawn a lot of penalties. But in this game, oh, man, he forced Hubert Bidens and Sears Justice Duru to concede. Like i I have to go it's not on world world rugby doesn't have uh, the penalties on here, but uh I think he forced both of those guys together to concede a total I think it was like twelve scrum penalties. I'm not sure. it was a lot like they like whether they went whether the scrum went down or didn't, uh the old tactician Eric Fry looked like you know, he was ready to ball. Um, and you know, just, just seeing just TD, just being healthy and being competent. Uh, I don't necessarily think, uh, you know, uh, not Sears justice guru and not, uh, uh, not Hubert Biden's that went up against, uh, I'm sorry, that went up against Eric Fry. That was like Jake Nikki, Mickey, and Matt Tierney. And, and the commentary was the same for there. I think Hubert Biden's uh, did struggle. Hubert Biden's is definitely Sears Justice Duru. Uh, or uh, why do I keep getting that wrong? Justice Sears Duru. I'm going to get killed <laughs> when our Canadian listeners uh, listen to this. The judge. The judge. I'm just going to go with the judge. Uh, I think Paul Mullen and T definitely, at least against these opponents, showed that they both can, both can scrum well. Uh, I, I did, I thought uh, when looking at Canada, I thought, you know, I thought Biden's, he's in shape. He's ready to go. I thought he scrummed okay. If you're a Canadian. Um, although you may be wondering still why Rob Brower isn't on this roster at all, like, because he's not. And that's sort of, it's going to be a hole for them. I think based on who their schedule is, because Namibia, I know that they're targeting teams or they're hoping to target Italy or they're hoping to target Namibia, but both of those scrums are going to probably are going to be as difficult as you know, our front row was last night or harsher. Like they're, they're gonna, they're going to be facing some, some gunslingers, you know, um, Oh man, someone uh someone loves Cam Dolan. Yes, we'll t- we'll talk a little <laughs> bit of Cam, about Cam Dolan in a bit. And so so for Canada they they we played really badly in the first half. Uh and they were able to take advantage of some of that. But then so they went up 12-0 but then we outscored them 20 to 3. Um going in like if you, we ended up scoring our first try, Cam Dolan, man, that, that guy is a try machine. If if you want to know, uh, mm-hmm. at, at, you know, minute 36. And so for, you know, they score their second try minute 16. So for minute 16 to minute 80, we outscored them 20 to three. So I just still not that
2: much. I mean, that's a good outcome compared to the first few minutes, but relative, I mean, before this match in our quick preview, we were predicted a 35-point win. So oh no,
0: I I mm -hmm. they they covered the spread. Yeah, oh yeah. uh, Comparatively, we like like I said, we did I we didn't play well. We played yeah horribly. But
2: I I will also say Canada (laughs) like they were playing with a lot of energy, you know. They had that we're the underdogs, we're home. We want to go to World Cup. We have a chance at an upset. They smelled blood. I thought they they were playing well with a lot of intensity. And I feel like in the past, you know, maybe not recent past, but, you know, five, ten years ago, you know, USA, when they start to see that kind of adversity and that kind of intensity, the mistakes would start to compound, and that's when a, a game might run away from them. Here, while they didn't play great, they – kept their heads in it and they still never really lost their confidence in my view. And they grounded out. So I, again, I, I agree, obviously, clearly from the score, it wasn't the best the USA has played in, in recent history, but uh, I was impressed with their intestinal fortitude to yeah. stick with it and, you know, yeah. get the win away with that sort of opposition coming so,
0: at you. To finish that first half uh, only down two points shows that even when we start poorly, uh, we can come back yeah. uh, at least against um, relatively like for like opposition because right. Canada is, is below us, but talent level is, is pretty similar yeah. overall. Um, they have a bunch of guys in MLR. They have a bunch of guys in Europe. They have a few Southern hemisphere guys when it comes to the, the when it comes to overall professionalism, if you look at their wider pool, uh, as far as makeup of professionals it is relatively similar now, in their named World Cup squad, they have like five amateurs, so that's where it kind of gets weird. And they had some amateurs on on the field on Saturday, but overall, athlete for athlete, were were relatively similar. Like uh, I'd, I'd take I'd I'd I'd, I'd take Tyler Arjun tomorrow. You know, I'd, I'd add him to our squad. Like he's a very good player. Uh, Mike Shepard is, you know, I, Mike Shepard in a lot of ways is very similar to Ben Landry. Yeah, uh, you know. they really
2: are. I was thinking that, too, yesterday watching it.
0: And so uh, – and then in the second half, we just started – we just – you know, we, we knew where we were, and we just started to build upon what we were. I thought that, you know, as a halfback pairing, uh, we definitely were cold. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Uh, yes. And – Nate, stop box kicking at midfield. It's like, it was funny because in the first game when we played Canada and we just rammed it down their throat, uh, you saw, and you saw it a little bit from Davies when he finally came on, is the directional box kicking. Um, Because what we need, when you're at midfield, you don't really want to just put it up in the air. You want to bring your guys in, set up your platform, and kick it downfield to make them run, make them force an exit. And uh, you know, a lot of Nate's box kicks were, were well. We should have just run our attack instead of trying to do that.
2: Especially, and and every time an eagle kicked it away with like out any, there was no seeming
0: thought behind it. It Wasn't every time an eagle scrum half kicks, makes a box kick at midfield, I want to, like, just go like this.
2: And the Eagles couldn't come down with a box kick to save their lives yesterday, whether it was USA or Canada. I mean, how many box kicks in Canada put up there and then successfully, you know, bring in 10, 10 meters down the field? Box kicking, definite uh, improve for World Cup time.
0: Um, so that, that, that's pretty – and then I guess the, the biggest one in the second half was in extra time, our set piece defense. Uh, they kicked to the corner. Uh, they, uh, they had a line-out, a maul, it gets stopped, and we turn over the ball, whistle gets blown, good to go. Uh, yeah. But how many line-outs were that they that the ref just didn't call off that they got? I think there was a bunch of line-outs that went. It was like, Canada goes up, reaches to the, r- reaches to the right, and bring yeah. up. Out-
2: <laughs> I swear, you can tell, obviously, If you well, I don't know. If you watch it on Flow, you can see that they were – um, you know, importing the TSN feed. And I swear the, the camera crew was part of the Canadian team. Like, you, they never gave you a. Every time I thought I saw a not straight line out, I'd watch the replay so I could, you know, confirm what I had originally seen. And they never showed you a replay where you could judge that angle. And that even uh, Canada's second try, uh, Nelson's try in the corner off the penalty, looked like he was in touch to me. Somehow there was no camera angle. Of the actual grounding to review it. Um so Mr
1: it Mr the, Hold on Mr. Goodelli, are you calling conspiracy right now? <laughs> do we need do we need to do investigative reporting? Is this Flowgate? Is that what you're telling me?
2: I, I support that. I support their effort. Hey, part of the team, everything to win. Good for good for TSN. Uh, you know, being being out there to help their guys. But uh <laughs> Yeah,
0: the best part the best part is so this is like a national broadcast. This is a test and it's every time like every time there, there's a game on TSN and Gareth Rees, who is a former Canadian guy that when it was when games aren't on TSN, it used to be Brian Kelly, uh, who was the communications manager and Gareth Rees. It was pretty awful, but at least when I forget who this TSN guy is that always that does the rugby, it always feels like it's a hockey game, but man, Gareth was commentating. Like he, I mean, a, he was a homer, but it was like, he's not, he wasn't commentating as if he was a, a Canada rugby great. Uh, it was like he had, I, I don't know, man, you had, it was like you weren't watching the game or didn't, haven't seen rugby or played rugby all your life. It was, it was awful.
1: Uh, no one oh, that was a big hit there, guy. Don't you know? <laughs> it was sort of like that. <laughs> um, oh, he, he he ran fast there. Oh, I've never seen that before. Eh? Uh, but it, you you know, it was uh. You know
0: this, like like I said in the second half, the, the tempo uh, really got better. Uh, who do you think? Uh, just looking at this game before we get to the World Cup roster, and I know uh, Dylan Faraki asked us about Rugby ATL's uh, development team. Uh, Liam I was at was the 404 rugby versus Mystic game, so we will get to that. We will have a report on that um, on this show uh, at the end. I think we should have done it first, but we're just gonna flow. Um, <laughs> but, but who do you think on the 23 that is on the 31 earned the right to start the majority of the World Cup?
2: Mikey <sighs> Yeah. yeah. As soon as Mikey Tao came in, the offense was working at a decent level. again. Now, I don't know if that's because Hooli went to, you know, uh, to fly half at the same time. But honestly, it really looked like it was more Mikey Tao. He was just creating things himself instead of, you know, kind of mindlessly passing, which is how I was doing until then. And that seemed to be the only thing that built attacking momentum so
1: here's the thing i love nate Osberger as a player i think he's extremely versatile and i think he's able to do a lot of things but i like him way better at wing uh you know so i mean like this isn't really answering the question but i would rather have sean davies the majority of the time at scrum half who, who was in box kicking like aaron said uh, you know every few phases and is at least keeping possession and giving our guys the chance to go through the phases
0: yeah. So th- this like, this one specifically was as i said a a shake off the rust and i i think we did no favors for Nate Augsburger not playing him at all during the the PNC like that he was he was the coldest like player i've ever seen um, out there, uh, you know, and then like the chemistry isn't really there between him and, and will McGee because they, they don't play together. Whereas Sean Davies and will McGee are, you know, they're brothers. They, they basically have, have lived with each other for a very long time. They don't live with each other now, but over a period of years uh, playing together in Glendale, they're, they're like this, you know, uh, but uh so, and uh, so it just it was it was rough for a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, it makes me wonder what the deal is. But did you guys when he went to the bench and Sean came on? Craig, did you see Ruben Diaz's facial expression?
2: Uh, no, I did. No, <laughs>
0: you you, you need to go like, back yes. on the replay and watch that. And it's like he's like he's like, I'm on the bench for this shit.
1: You're a regular Frank Caliendo there. dude, during doing that impression. I want to hear your South African accent too.
0: (laughs) But the
2: house wasn't in the 23, right? No, he
0: wasn't. He was just on the bench because like, so the traveling reserves that, that don't, uh, that, you know, don't play, they don't go up and chill in the suite. They're in the street clothes, uh, you know, and they're on the, at the end of the bench and, and his expression when, when, Nate Augsburg comes off is it, it was priceless. He's like yeah. I got it's like I didn't get to start for this.
2: I feel like you you got the 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 good and the bad of Augsburg and I you know I was talking about before the game. I didn't think he had a great game overall. I was happy when Davies came in. But uh he did have you know that one similar to the, the first Canadian try where he picked and went uh on the weak side. I think it was of a scrum and he Ripped yeah, off he
0: grabbed he grabbed that loose ball. It was a it was a Canadian scrum, yeah. and uh, you know he just did he did Nate things, and you're like yeah. that's that's why he's on this team. I mean, he,
2: he's our he's our him and Haas, I guess. But I, I would say he, I would give him the edge in terms of just purely attacking as a ball carrier as a nine. Um, but it, you know you could see in this game, I don't know if he was nervous or what, but he didn't look like. Um, he was ready to be the distributor general type of nine, the way that Davies and Dehaz are.
0: So, uh, you know, it it was an ugly win, but it was a win in the last 12 meetings against Canada. The United States is 11-0-1. The draw was during World Cup qualifiers when that was held i forget where that was held in Canada i forget it wasn't at Halifax it was i think it was in Toronto somewhere not sure need to, need to look that up but that was that was it was the draw and then uh it was Mark anscombe's last game cuz he was fired shortly after that and uh you know, I was at the test. The second test uh, for the qualifiers in 2017 uh, was uh, in San Diego, where we we beat the brakes off of them. So, yeah, uh, uh, that's 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 warm ups. I I think Craig, we we talked about uh, what we wanted to take away from the PNC and warm ups overall. Uh, Liam, you probably, I'm sure you. You listen to that. If not, you have your own takeaways. What do you think uh, we've taken away from this World Cup prep? I mean, we've had – Gary mentioned 10 weeks on his thing, but some of the guys have been together for 12 weeks. So this is like – this is a Tier 1 World Cup warm-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've had a Tier One World Nation World Cup warm up. What do you think we've we've been able to take away from that?
1: Well, one of the most underrated things that I think we haven't really touched on yet, or we touched on it a little bit, is actually fitness and especially so take, taking this game against Canada. When you're able to finish twenty to three, even in a game that's not exactly technically sound, finishing out twenty to three just says a lot about how you're able to go through the rest of the game in the second half, and you're still able to perform and put points on the board. And so I think we saw uh, during different instances uh, throughout the PNC, even though we we didn't come out on top, we were able to stay in games late. And when we did sort of uh, start to fall out, it was against really tough uh, competition um, such as uh, Samoa and Tonga. So, you know, I, I, I think I think there's a lot to say about you know how mlR has probably affected that how the like, guys are now playing more so year-round and training year round and have access to better facilities and i think we're really gonna see the effects of that I think we're gonna get at least one hey maybe even two victories in our in our world cup pool
2: not a boy Liam. yeah I like
1: be, be freaking hopeful man knock out wood if you're with me
2: uh, <laughs> i'll take it i uh to me i, I I think this really similar, I guess, to, to what Liam said. I think it looks to me now like the USA as a team, they're fit, they're physical, they're you know, they're doing the, the overall like things on the same level as a tier one team. Right. They're they can carry, they can kick, they can do they could do things that they need to be to, to start creating tier one. What I think is lacking is a couple of very specific Game situation skills, uh, a lot of them around kicking. I think kick chase, we have trouble receiving our own, you know, receiving any box, like taking any ball out of the sky, we have trouble. Uh, Line out without Nick Savetta looks very, um, you know, uh, iffy to me. I don't know how many were airmailed yesterday. There was like two or three went over the entire line out. Um, So I think, you know, lastly, I think they – they are just starting to figure out how to use the full game to, to build a single effort towards something, meaning like when England kicks, for example, you know they, they may do a deep kick with the goal of, okay, well our, we know our defense is chasing, and then we're going to pin them in that deep end, and they're going to either have to kick back, and now we're going to get it in a more favorable attacking position, or they're going to go into touch, and we're going to throw it in. Like, there's a, a second and third stage to everything they do. It's well thought out. I still feel like USA goes back and forth between being thoughtful about what they're doing or just randomly doing something. Like sometimes they kick and it looks like it was a thoughtful kick, usually when AJ's in. Uh, And when it's not AJ, a lot of times their kicks seem to be like, well, feel like maybe kick, I don't know, let's try this. And they kick it off and then there's no follow-up. And, you know, they end up just having the defense counterattack right back to where they kicked it from. Yeah, I, I think
0: one of the, like Liam said, fitness, yeah. Like this team is fit. Eric Fry has abs. <laughs> just <laughs> yes, point that out. Eric Fry has abs now. So this team is fit. Their, their physical intensity overall, because if they didn't have that physical intensity that, that they brought against Canada in the first game and against Samoa and even against Japan, Japan was just better. Like they were better. Uh, but we didn't back down against them. And – in this game, if we didn't have this like new physical intensity sort of identity about us, we would have lost this game because we didn't have these recovery systems to where we go. Okay. We're we're playing kind of bad, you know, and we really only played bad for 12 minutes, like, re- like really bad for 12 minutes and then didn't play good on attack for a while, but our defense figured it out pretty early. And, You know, we have these like mental, we have these, we've worked through our mental systems to say, hey, you know, we can take, you know, 20 minutes of bad play. And like you said, Craig, start putting together things over plays and then phases of play over a period of the entire game and, you know, eke out a win whereas previously the United the Eagles weren't mentally tough enough to do this. And this has been a four-year process under both Mitchell and now a two-year uh, with Mitchell for about 18 months and now a two-year process uh, with Gary Gold. But this has just been building and building, and we're kind of there. And, and one of the things I look at for selections and, and something that we probably didn't do well enough in the past, especially under Tolkien and probably even under Eddie O'Sullivan and, and previous coaches is selecting athletes. And to an extent, we we selected like rugby players, but we didn't select the best athletes available. And although there are some other guys that didn't make it into the squad, there are only three small dudes, and you couldn't really think, you couldn't really say one of them is small because Mikey Teo is huge. Like he is built like a brick shit house. Like he is a, a car would player. rebound off him. And so the the two smallest. So after Mikey Teo, the two smallest guys on this team. Are both scrum hats. Everyone else, other than Mikey Teo, uh, Nate Sean Augsburger Davies, and Sean yeah. Davies, are all, uh, you know, you know, at least 5'11, 200 pounds. Like that, that's Paul C. Le- Paul Le- CK's 5'11, but he's not, he's not the 200 pounder. So, Isn't Nate, like six feet, um, Augsburger, or yeah, no, he's 5'9. Man, Man. You're killing me. Both, both, <laughs> both Sean and, and and Nate are like the same exact size, huh. um, so
2: I would have said Nate was taller, Liam. Don't worry, uh, sure.
0: but uh, you guys need to come out to more games and stand next to these guys. I, I've literally met Nate. Like, well, uh, this, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know, just, I just because just because you're taller than him doesn't mean he's <laughs> taller. Uh, but uh, you know, if you athletic size and strength and ability, we're, we're like we're starting to select the most fit guys available like that was started with with mitchell if you're not fit for camp you're going home and that level of accountability that level of player ownership and you know after the 15 world cup it was i didn't know what this team would look like because it was a bad it was a it was a bad run um and it took a lot of caps being de- took a lot of debutants that got thrown out, you know, just needed to see what they can do. And especially early on, but this team is ready. And we sadly get the worst pool uh, of the tournament to be ready for something like this. We, If we were given Canada's pool, you know, we'd, we'd beat Namibia and we'd have a chance against Italy. Or um, there's another pool that's pretty weak. I think it's um, Samoa's pool. And it's like, okay, there's a chance at two wins. Whereas, I mean, there's – I'm looking at the Tonga game. It's, you know, target, yeah, and that is a real win right there. If we are healthy going into that game because it's on short rest, we should win that game. Um, It'll be probably pretty close, but we should win that game. And then if Argentina or France have a weird day – and we have the best day ever. Could something happen? We could have a great game. I don't know if we'll win, but we could at least look good. And looking good's cool when it comes to the World Cup, and you're not like the All Blacks. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, moving on, uh, everyone got to, to see the the announcement for the World Cup, right? The World oh, Cup, yeah. uh, the USA roster. So, uh, I thought the video was pretty cool. I want to find where they found the out where they got
2: weightlifting. It's three minute video <laughs> of the team in the gym. Yeah, <laughs> that,
0: that happened. Uh, but we also saw um, it, within that announcement, there was, uh, where did this thing disappear? Oh my gosh, I need to. So as part of that announcement that was on there, you had uh This really cool video montage, yeah, it had a lot of weightlifting in it, but it also had footage from the 1920 and 1924 Olympics where the
1: US won two gold medals. I'm looking at it right now.
2: (laughs) I I liked it. I mean, it it was a lot of the gym, but I, I thought, you know, the music, the text, the way they revealed, you know, voices of the captains at the end. It all had a good feel to it, you know, emotional, inspirational type of feel, and, you know, I I feel like you're normally sitting here complaining, why don't they ever do anything like this? Well, they did something, so, you know, uh, next time I would have, you know, had a little more rugby in the rugby video, but... Uh, I think, yeah, B-plus for me from for the uh, promotional... Yeah, over... I mean, Hey, man, like,
1: unfortunately, rugby fans are like Star Wars fans. You can give them literally exactly what they want, and they will still bitch and complain.
0: I think once England did their video, they kind of set the standard. And, you know, I talked about it with you, Craig, earlier uh, in the day about what I would have sort of liked. But for, for what we normally don't get, this was really good. I, I was impressed that they were able to find footage of the 1920 and 1924 Olympics.
2: I mean it was like six seconds, but yeah they got some footage that the, Yeah. Well I That's mean that, what it was. Like, you can't even tell it's like black and white for five seconds. And like,
0: grainy. And on. grainy as hell. Uh but still it was it was it was good. So it was a B for me. Um I would have liked some it was a very strong start. I would like some on the back end like announcing each player by itself, but you know whatever. Um so uh I'm going to go over the position groups uh, in total. Uh, David Iunu, prop. Eric Fry, prop. Ali Khalifi, prop. T. Lamositelli, prop. Paul Mullen, prop. So of the the five, uh, Gary Gold said uh, the intent was versatility in case of injury. Uh, Basically, uh, four of the props. I think the only one that can't play the other side is Mullen. Uh, I did, uh, so basically four props. Fry.
2: You think Fry can tight head? Uh,
0: yeah, uh, he he's has so played small. tight head in the past. He he's remember. too smart.
2: He's <laughs> too small. I mean, what? He look, he look like
0: Dude, Eric Fry's huge. He's got abs. What was the <laughs> <time>? Well, yeah, <laughs> he's he's not
2: he's not built like a tight head. That is for sure.
0: Um, iunu is actually built like a tight head. Uh, yeah, I knew
2: I could see he's like a <laughs> Lamazotelli clone.
0: But um yeah so uh, of the so of the five i i think so who do you think got snubbed here
2: well i mean the obvious look i guess is chance from um which you know i it's only i only think he was snubbed potentially because it looked like he was so in favor during the pnc i'm pretty sure he started all three um he's got a lot of looks under gary gold dating back to that november you know um the um, Maori All Blacks uh, match in Chicago. I mean, he, he's been getting a lot of love under Gary Gold, so to see him left off entirely was a surprise to me. Um, that said, I like Ali Khalifi, um, but, you know, Ali Khalifi probably won't be around next World Cup, so.
0: Yeah, I, I looked true, at you know. that, and I thought, I thought Chance got snubbed, but as far as I know, he can't play tight end. So uh, yeah. they, went for, they went for World Cup experience, World Cup experience and versatility. So, yeah, uh, I think that's fair. I mean, he has been to a World Cup and he can play tight head. So there you go. Um, he's played a lot of tight head. In fact, he, I think he's played more tight head than he's played loose head uh, for the Eagles, at least.
2: And um, he's got two M L R championships. So, I mean, he's had a lot of professional experience.
0: Um. Then uh, let's let's go to the locks: Nate Brakely, Nick Savetta, uh, and then you have Ben Landry and and Greg Peterson. Um, well, there was no one in camp except those four. So I wouldn't say anyone got snubbed based on who was involved in camp, but I I wanted to see someone else called in when Samu Manoa uh, retired. Supposedly, well, not supposedly, Riker Hadding was called in, but he had a knee infection, so he was sent home. Uh, but they didn't call anyone else in. Uh, they didn't call in, uh, like Matt Jensen wasn't on the 50. Uh, but uh, what was it? Lou Stanfield was on the 50, and then David Tamala was on the 50, and neither of them were called into camp at all. And I would have liked to have seen something there, but I, I think we've got uh, a good pairing, I think, of the four. Nate Brakely will probably play the least I think it's really gonna be a rotation of Nick Savetta and Greg Peterson together and then probably Nick savetta and ben Landry uh is i think those are gonna be that's gonna be your your three and uh Nate will play of course but I think he will play the least and he's interestingly brakeley is the oldest of the four so in f- theoretically all three of these guys could be around if you know, wages pick up or they get foreign contracts the next, uh,
1: the next, you know, Breakley he might be old, but I'm pretty sure uh, he played like the second or third most minutes on all of uh, rugby United New York last year. Oh, he
0: played. He, I mean, he's, he's, he 30. He, he's 30. I'm not saying he's an old man. Yeah. He, he's my age. So I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying he'll be 34 uh, when the next world cup is. So, He's probably he. I don't think. I mean, one of these guys might be around, but we might have a different. At least majority of our locks might be different. But of these four, he would be the one that's definitely retired, or at least retired from international play. And the rest, uh, Petersons, Chavetta, and I think Chavetta is probably leaning towards like the twilight of his career because he he actually likes engineering. I, I know that there are some guys that he's an engineer and he likes to be an engineer. Um, but he's also been able to make a living at rugby for a while, and he loves rugby too. Um, so
2: I'll tell you what, Landry has been knocking the lights out of people since the PNC, and I'm digging it. He left with an HIA yesterday, so I'm you know, assuming he'll be fine by World Cup time, but he's, he's probably made the most ground in my mind since the PNC started, the people I want to see on the pitch. I think
0: when you look at Landry, considering from when he came back from football and just focused on rugby, he has grown leaps and bounds as a player, as a rugby player. And and you know why he continues to get caps.
1: It's field it, awareness, you know, like like when, when you, you garner those athletic skills in football, but like you know you the the jump to like uh, to rugby, you know, it can seem natural, but there's a whole element of the game that's all mental, and that's where the improvements coming. He
0: was capped well before he he tried to you know make the Bears, but like since then, like his growth in in three years has been has been tremendous. Uh, and then, so moving on to the back row, really no surprise for me. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, the only number eight listed on this is Cam Dolan, but the rest of the back row is Melon Al-Jibori, uh Henko Hemeshice. Oh wait, why did I do that? Yeah, wait, no, wait, wait, what? I didn't even talk about hookers, but we'll we'll go to them uh, after. Uh, I do this Tony Lamborn, Ben Pinkelman, and John Quill. Uh, based on who was, you know, in camp, uh, it, I think the 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 last spot was between Jamison and Pinkelman, and Pinkelman won it over. Uh, I guess it was. I mean, it was a contentious race. the The thing for me is, well, I I have no idea why Saul Mucci wasn't in camp. I mean
1: that—that's my only my only thing. He was the fastest rising name in USA rugby for like a good like you know few months. You know, especially considering.
0: But he, I mean, his form this year was great. Uh, Pinkelman over Jamison. I mean, talk. You want a, a fast rising name? Was Jamison when he started starting for the SaberCats, and that pushed him all the way to a cap in mm-hmm. you know less than you know six months of being in the United States. Uh, like yes, he he is an American for all those that want to know, uh, mm-hmm. but he sp- was born uh,
1: overseas and spent his has spent his entire life uh, in Australia mm-hmm. mostly. And so, the dude has a motor. Like we've been talking about fitness, we've been talking about athletes. Like even when this guy's in practice, he goes one hundred and ten percent. So I can definitely see why Gary brought him onto this squad. So I, I think it, you know it was contentious. I wouldn't really call it a snub.
0: Uh, They were definitely battling for that last spot. Um,
2: Yeah, but I will say, when I first, you know, coming into the PNC, when you saw the the names that were available, I thought uh, Jameson would have the edge there, and I thought Pinkerman would probably get left out of the Japan team. But seeing them play in the PNC, I didn't think either blew each other away. But what did kind of occur to me over time was. I think Pickleman coming from the 15s program or the 7s program, rather, that's been so successful this year. You know, you want, I feel like you want some people that have that habit of winning around too. You know, just that winning mentality. And he's achieved so much with the 7s team. uh, Whereas Fanana Schultz, sorry if I mispronounced that name, uh, you know, Laura, accomplished in the, uh, I learned it.
0: Fanana. Fanana Schultz. Um, Yeah. That's a big one. Um, then moving back up to the hookers, my position. I don't even know how I missed this. Uh of course, uh Joe Tafete. Uh then you've got the Butcher, Dylan Fawcett, and uh James Hilterbrand. This you know, I Dylan these are Fawcett. the three that, that these are this is as expected for me.
1: Um they <laughs> yeah. did have
0: six hookers in camp. <laughs>
1: And that was just in the dorms after hours, man. You should have seen on the field. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, so uh, you,
0: you had Sosini, Fayagi, uh, Capelli Pifoletti, and somebody somebody else. But there was there were six guys uh that, that play hooker that were that were in camp and uh, they they all got used during the PNC. Actually, now that I think about it. So, um, yeah, it was kind of uh, this. Is, I think these are these three are as expected.
2: Yep, agreed. Mm-hmm. And I think Kirby Rob hasn't Honko, on a rare occasion also hooked for. Uh-
0: well, Mitchell was trying to make him a hooker, and he's got the body build. If you he, actually like see him in he person, played, he played hooker for Gary in that 2018 Denver test uh, when Joe, like, I think, no, like Joe, Joe couldn't come back on and Dylan was in and went off for an HIA or something. And then all of a sudden Hank goes in the front row. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so, it was, it was intense. So, you know, in theory, you've got, you know, a back row player that can play, um, three positions. Cause he can also play, play number eight uh, as well. Uh, people have asked, you know, about the, the like where our depth is at number eight. I, I've, I've discussed this with, you know, Craig and, and some other people. Yeah, we don't have another number eight on this roster, but there are guys that have played number eight, played number eight a lot. Ne- not necessarily for the Eagles, uh, Tony Lamborn has played at number eight. Honko has played at number eight and Malon has played at number eight. So I think they're just going with the overall depth and versatility of the back row that most of those guys can play all three positions if required. Dylan
2: Fawcett played eight. For yeah. A game
0: so, and, and then you've got, you know, Dylan Fawcett who until he was called up to the Eagles, I'd only ever seen play number eight. So there you go. hmm uh, <laughs> Moving on to the the good old halfbacks uh, at scrum half uh, and wing, we've got Nate Augsburger. And then at pure scrum half, we've got Sean Davies and Ruben De Haas. Uh, well, they were the only three in camp, and the only other one named to the, the 50 man was Mike Petrie. And yep, there was no snub. I mean, all three of them made it. So there
2: you go. Yep. We'll see who starts
0: yeah uh you know. it'll depend on the opponent so, so and then move into uh the midfield we've got Marcel Brocky Bryce Campbell uh and Paul Sica and Threaten Paloma we didn't see a lot of Threaten on this but man uh, after just means he's <laughs> fresh baby sitting down for that boy a, can sitting move sitting out for over a year with a foot injury when he did come on the field for the Sabercats, it 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 was He was a
1: difference maker. People he had was, to account for him, especially on the outside, and that just was able to open up opportunities for his teammates, especially because the dude can offload in, inside traffic. That's a very like, underrated part of his game. So even when it was taking two or three guys to uh, you know from, from our opponents to commit to tackling him, he was able to, you know, still get the ball out. And we had all these gaps to take advantage advantage of. And, you know, there, it's, no, it's no coincidence that, you know, uh, his, like his, you know, like his coming onto our roster, uh, I shouldn't even say our roster anywhere uh, anymore. I'm not with Houston anymore. Uh, but like, you know, especially when Threaten showed up, when Jameson showed up, um, when Dion Mike Sell showed up, you know, like that's when our production got a lot better. And it was, you know, in situations that, you know, Threaten uh, was kind of taking the lead.
0: Yeah, that was uh, for for threaten. That was uh, really good to see. Like he was, I mean, he was in shape, and he was a difference maker for uh, the Saber Cats. Moving to the wings, uh, you've got Blaine Scully, captain. Uh, then you've got Martin Yosefo and Mike Teo being the the only pure listed wings. Although, point out originally, the Marcel Baraki was listed as a wing and. Martin Yosefo was listed as a center. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I'll get to the fly halves a bit. But uh, so that one was kind of interesting. Uh, Marcel Brocky uh, is a guy who can play from 11 to 15. And I would say as good or better than everyone except at position than, than Paul LaCK, to be honest. Like he is that versatile and that high level of an athlete and rugby player. He's been, he's an old professional at this point. Uh, he's been playing super rugby and now I guess global rapid rugby for for ten years. So, uh, but again at wing, really no one really lost their spot at wing. Kenny Moore, you
2: know, was I think could have been he, uh, on this team. He was another one I thought was a Gary Gold yeah. favorite, but didn't make the cut.
0: Kenny Moore was in the World Cup camp in twenty fifteen, and then disappeared off the face of the earth because he moved to New Zealand and played club rugby, Uh, made it to I think North Harbor onto the squad for North Harbor in the Mitre 10 one year. I think he played one year in the Mitre 10 and then he just was in on North Harbor B the rest of the way. And then finally he broke out uh, under Gary Gold. He, I, I guess you could say he was kind of snubbed, but he didn't play enough in the PNC to have sort of earned that spot, uh, from say Martin Yosefo, someone that I thought kind of got snubbed when it came to the whole, the 40, the 50 man roster was Ryan Matias, uh, who can play center and wing at a, at a very high level. and has sort of like that seven speed as well. Um, and then at fullback, you've only got Will Cooley uh, named, uh, and then our, our fly halves are, uh, Our fly halves are uh Oj McGinty and Will McGee, so yeah, I you forgot about old
1: Oj, did you? It
0: was dry, it was a dry mouth, sorry. Uh, (laughs) but yeah, so I I think this is when we got towards the end of the PNC, this is overall outside of chance, maybe or Jamison those this is who i thought was going to be on this roster um it's really good to see mikey Teo fit and ready to play uh is that that's really important because he brings a different skill set if you i know he's listed as wing heat but he bring if you put him at fullback he brings a different style of play than will Hooley does he can kick from hand uh quite a bit and but his all of his kicks are really putting the ball in play uh he can get us out of a jam with some cross kicks, but he doesn't have the same leg as Will Hooley does. But he's in a way he's a lot more athletic than Will is. But he's like I said, he's a different style of player.
2: Yeah. I mean I think he's he might be our best like pure attacker in terms of like I don't see him and Thread and Palamo are probably the most like dangerous in in traffic, in the open, and anytime we get the ball, I like, Mikey Teo can make something happen. Uh, same with Ren Palamo, Martin hope You know, again, I I've been skeptical of him starting. I obviously he scored the dagger against Canada. He basically made that trot himself too. Uh, it's a similar type of thing, though. I'm not sure he could do it in tight quarters the way I think a Mikey Teo can. So for me, I, I love Mikey Taylor as an attack option and. I I think he should be starting.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I think that uh, you look at Josefo, and if you're if you're wondering what happened, he he might have uh, he he might have made himself onto the starting roster. Uh, for me, I think Mikey I. I mean, I'd put Mikey Taylor
1: on the starting roster tomorrow. Like, yeah, well, um, M- M- Mikey is just like such a defensive presence out of the backfield too. Like you know, teams have to account. You can't just try to kick into space against us when he's back there at fullback. You know, because he's so fast and he's able to adapt so quickly. Whether he wants to boot it back to you or if he wants to just take it himself and create some offense. So he like he like I- I'm not sure if versatile is like the right word for that. He's just so goddamn effective. I guess you could say.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, if you told me tomorrow that Mikey Tao was going to start at wing or start at fullback, I would not be surprised because he's and the, the thing that we saw from him this year uh, was uh, when he played for San Diego is that he, he's fit. Like he didn't look just like a pudgy kid. Like he did all (laughs) on all those seven years that he played. Uh, He came back shredded. And he was he was everything that he used to be and more, uh, which is what I think you know what an injury can do to a player. So, um, but uh, I, I think that that about wraps up our World Cup coverage uh, when it comes to this roster. But uh, Liam, you sort of went to view a MLR ish type preview uh, in the ARP.
1: Yeah, so I I guess you could say that. So, uh, so, so yesterday I went to Malden, Massachusetts, where 404 Rugby, which is the exhibition squad of rugby ATL featuring a number of both young upcoming as well as veteran players uh, who you're probably going to be seeing on the final ATL roster. Uh, they came to town to play the um, the Mystic River Rugby Club ARP squad, and that also features a plethora of New England Free Jack uh, players, uh, just to name a few. Christian Adams, Oliver Englehart, um, you know, Ad- Ad- Adnan Kawuma. Uh, K- uh, Sorry, Adnan, I'm bu- absolutely butchering your name there, dude. Uh, but yeah, no, it was absolutely a, a good game. And to be to, uh, a little bit surprising, Mystic kept us pretty close, especially in the first half. To begin with, don't worry. I'll, I'll I'll get to the blowout a little bit later. Uh, yeah, but in the first half, uh, Mystic uh, displayed some pretty good defense. They were able to kind of keep Atlanta, you know, like towards the midfield, and they weren't uh, allowing them to be effective whenever uh, they used kicking to get down towards the Mystic territory. Unfortunately, that sort that, that began to kind of level off. Yeah, uh, as uh, as Mystic, uh, you know, got a little bit more tired, and the the minutes uh, sort of started to drag on. I noticed a lot of their backfield depth uh, started to suffer, and they were sort of flat when it when it came to their passing game. This allowed Atlanta to, uh, you know, who were a lot more adept at coming up as one on defense to sort of quell any kind of attack. So when when Mystic did have the ball, they weren't gaining a whole lot of uh, meters per pass, and whenever and uh, you know and eventually that kind of led to a lot more penalties because they were just kind of stagnating in the middle of the field. Now that's definitely not to say that there weren't some standouts in this game. Uh, you had people like Jared Collinson, especially who I was really excited uh, to see play, and I think he's going to be a great player uh, for for the New England Free Jacks. He was able to score two try. Uh, I think, I think it was just actually just one try on the day, but he was effective all over the field uh, from minute one to minute 80. Uh, and I, I, again, I think he's going to be a great player to see. Uh, Christian Adams, unfortunately, uh, he's going to be an exciting player for the New England Free Jacks. He didn't get a whole lot of minutes. He came in uh, just at the end of the game, but that's good. Keep the guy healthy, keep the guy fresh. All of, uh, and then Oliver Oliver Englehart, uh, Scrum Half out of Dartmouth, he was actually seeing more minutes in the back row uh, 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 versus ACL, whereas uh, Ian Luciano spent most of the game, uh, or if not all the game at number nine. He was pretty effective, especially on the quick ball. Unfortunately, in the end, it was really penalties that kind of killed this Mystic squad. Yeah, I, I was. Final score like, 50 to 25, 404 rugby. Yeah,
0: I, I watched I, I watched the Twitter feed as as you pushed it out, and I was really surprised that, uh, because that, uh, cause that, uh that 404 Rugby Club, if you look at the names on their roster, most of those players hadn't yeah. played together, like, ever.
1: Oh, yeah, like, you know, like Amro Gouda, for instance, uh, you know, he, he was coming up from Houston. Uh, he's not currently signed to the Houston Sabrecats. He's usually a hooker, and he spent most of his career at hooker, but he was actually a loose head prop, which kind of made for an interesting combination, but I'm pretty sure he made it all 80 minutes through the game at playing at number one.
2: So uh, who, who are you guys – who gets more wins in MLR 2020, New England Free Jacks or uh, Rugby Atlanta?
1: Oh, definitely the New England Free Jacks, man. We're, we are going to have some crazy depth, especially in the in, in the back line. We have some guys coming from overseas that have not been announced yet, and it's going to be pretty darn exciting, believe me. We are going to put up some points, and we are going to have a freaking physical defense. Bring it. Um.
0: Yeah, I – San Diego's just probably gonna win. Um, because I can finally then just uh, be a San Diego fan, apparently. That is <laughs> the theme. Uh, you just I don't know if I if I go by that score, if I go by that, I dude. It was, was not even half
1: the free jack roster, a, so don't well, even get me started. Even half, the, half
0: of Atlanta's roster. We're just talking about players. If I go by that, I'm going to be. Fairly surprised at what it, what Atlanta brings to the table. Uh, the, the questions I have because I think it does help them a lot the fact that they are go- they're both brand new teams to to an extent within the right construct have have these early have this like was it eight games in the ARP? something like these these early eight or nine games early and then take a break so that guys can recharge and then fall into your camp at the end, like right after Thanksgiving and build towards the third season of MLR. I think it, whereas, you know, something that didn't really help the Sabercats in the first season was that they played a a very long preseason. That was, it was double the length of, so there are eight games in the uh, in the first season of MLR, and they played sixteen games before the season started. So uh, it, it didn't really help them that well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, it, you know. Um, I think Atlanta will will be pretty good. Uh, Atlanta Atlanta will be a good team. I think it's D.C. that's going to be
1: facing the problems.
0: Yeah, D.C. is going to be interesting uh, to see what they do. But for the moment, I do not think they will be the worst team in the league. Just saying. All right. I, I think that about wraps it up. Anything from you, Craig? Nope. All right. Uh, I guess we're supposed to like say some like thing um, at the end. Well, uh, I, I do work for Major League Rugby, so but these views are not Major League Rugby's. Uh, there is a better written version that Corey will insert at the end. Liam also works for the Free Jacks, and these views do not represent the New England Free Jacks. And uh, yeah, uh, we hope that everyone has a great evening and go out and, and we'll to enjoy some
1: football. Heck yeah, go Pats, baby!